Don Fento, thank you so much for taking time to have this crucial conversation about nearness and closeness and intimacy with God. I, I, of all the crucial conversations there are, I, I don't know that I can think of a more important one, uh, especially in this season of uh, you know, all these questions and, and the importance of being yeah. dialed in with God's heart. It's been good for me, too. Yeah. You asked some good questions. <laughs> well, good. Well, good. I'm, I'm ready to jump in and kind of glean your wisdom. Uh, you, you have so many years, not just in ministry, but just in God's kingdom. Yeah. And I've, we value deeply the, what you have to share with us today. So my, my first question is this. What do you, when, how would you define what it means to have an intimate and close relationship with God? What does that mean? It's, it's, it's interesting. I had to... I had to Think, what, how would I define it? And, and, and here's how I finally decided to define it. That it is the, and I was thinking about it just even coming here because you've given me these questions, that, that it's a relationship with the closest best friend that you will ever have. Now we have good friends, and, but no friend that we have knows everything about us. Not even our wives know everything about us. I mean. We may not be trying to keep secrets, but there's stuff back there we don't want to talk to anybody about. He, this is a friend. I mean, he's, and he said, you know, I, I'm, that I choose you as a friend. He said that. Yeah. And so here is a friend who knows absolutely everything about you. He knows everything you, every stupid thing you've ever done. <laughs> he knows every sin you've committed. He knows every secret thing that you've tried to hide from people that you've never told anybody about. Yeah. He knows everything about you. And yet, he loves you radically and unconditionally. And he chooses you, and he wants you to be better. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he's a friend who really can help you. He's really the only friend who really can help yeah. you. So why wouldn't anybody, honestly, why wouldn't anybody want to get close to him yeah. if they understand that? So good. He's all powerful. Yes. He knows everything. He's all powerful. And yeah. It's so powerful. And I, I love... This idea of friendship, and of course, Jesus' own words. Yeah. I mean, that's how he couches this relationship. And uh, so it's so powerful. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. Well, apart from, you know, we know that if we just choose to walk in willful, blatant sin, that, that's going to keep us separated. But apart yeah. from just willful sin, what are some things that tend to steal away from us being close to God or being near to Him? You know, the, the first thing that came to me was busyness. I mean, we. We stay busy most of the time, even if it's busy with nothingness. I mean, even if it's busy watching a TV program that's senseless, or busy with, I don't know, we just, we just stay busy all the time, and we don't calm down. And in order, I mean, if we just quiet ourselves, if we're believers, and we really believe in Him, and we quiet ourselves, then we're wanting to draw close to Him. So that's, that would be one of the things that I would say. But then, other, other kinds of things, obviously, any kind of unconfessed sin that we have. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really funny. I really did remember a time when I was hesitant to talk to the Lord about something as though he didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I didn't want to bring up this subject. <laughs> Maybe he won't miss it if I know. <laughs> and, and <laughs> but unconfessed sin or or even a, some kind of breach in a relationship. I, I, that, passage, that passage is misused, I think, that where he says if you bring your gift to the altar and you remember 
that, you, that somebody has something against you. He doesn't say that you've done something wrong, but some, well, no, he, no, that you have really. Not that they think they have, but if they genuinely have something against you. They may be accusing you of something you didn't do. Well, that's not it. But if they genuinely have something against you, you better go make that right. Mm. And so that kind of, any kind of unconfessed sin or unforgiveness or anything like that blocks our relationship with it. Mm. Yeah. So good. Uh, things just to be aware of as we're yeah. processing out this, our relationship with the Lord. Yeah. What, what would you say to someone who they want to be close to God, but they don't feel close to God. There's not a sense or a feeling of it, and therefore they, they have a distance. You know, Psalm 100, 100 verse 4 is a huge verse, I think. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Uh, so often, we try to enter, I mean, if we, if we even get close to him, I mean, for example, the first thing we may want to do is confess sin because we know we're getting close to him. We don't really know even what kind of sin to confess until we get close to him. Some of what we think is sin could even be something that we needed to do for them. And some of the things we wouldn't think of as a sin, but how do we get into the sanctuary in order to get with him? So I was remembering one night years ago, decades ago, <laughs> but I do remember, I remember where I lived at the time, and so it was a long time ago. But all night long, I must have been having financial problems and maybe relational problems. I don't know what they were, and I don't even want to think of that. But I remember that all night long, I felt like I didn't sleep any at all. I had one word prayer all night, help, help, help. That's all I prayed. I didn't know anything else to say, help. But you know what? I never got in the sanctuary. You don't get into the, in, into the presence of God yelling help. You don't even get in the presence confessing sin. You get into his presence by worship, by, by praise and thanksgiving. And, and I've had this too, you know. Well, okay, that sounds good. But I don't feel like thanking God. Well, think of something. I mean, there are times when we, we can't think of a thing we're thankful for because we're just so barraged with other stuff. Right. But I think, so, so one thing is, just learning to be thankful for everything, we, our breath, our day, I mean, whatever. But then praising him. I mean, he's awesome when you get to think of it. Yeah. I mean, even get scriptures to, to, to help you out or something. But anyway, yes. that's, that's the kind of thing I thought of. Well, it, 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 and that feels so helpful. Uh, because it's, there are many times we don't feel, quote unquote, feel close. No. And so what's the, the path for connection with him? And I, yeah. I love that. I think it's so, so helpful. And in thinking about practical things, what, what are some things that you have done or things that you currently are doing that help you in a, in a very practical way foster that connection and intimacy with God? Now, you know, I'm gritting when you say that because <laughs> you compelled me to think about things that I've done that I probably didn't think I'd ever tell anybody. <laughs> but, but one of the things, I, was, I, I had a father wound. I didn't have a father. Yeah. My father out of the picture at age two, but I never knew him. And I never really, I met him later in life, but I really never knew him. And so I had a huge father wound. And I, and I was a hyperactive child, but I can remember sitting like in a church meeting, if there was a man I liked, one of my uncles that I loved or somebody that I really loved that would put his arm around me, 
I was real wiggly, but if he put his arm in, I could feel his, his hand on my shoulder, I would freeze because I was afraid if I wiggled the least little bit, he'd move his hand, and I wanted that. And so one of the things I was remembering is that one time, I was while I was still teaching at Lipscomb, I was driving to school, and we didn't have the bucket seats then, and so I had books here right next to me. I shoved them all over the edge and said, Lord, scoot over and put your arm around me. And so I wanted, I wanted that. Or, or one time, I mean, these, I really have done this. <laughs> or one time, I went into the room. I think there wasn't anybody else at home then. If, if there was, I probably locked the door. But I, I think there just wasn't anybody at home. I went into a bedroom and sat down in a chair and pulled another chair up just so that I could imagine God with me yeah. there, you know. And, or, or one time, one time I, we had the wall phones. And one time, I pulled the wall phone up held my finger up so it wouldn't be in a dial tone to talk to the Lord. <laughs> because I, 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 did, I did all these kinds of things to try to feel his presence. Yeah. One time I was teaching, I taught the Monday lunch down at the downtown Presbyterian Church for 20 years. And one day, I don't know why, maybe I was really needing it, but anyway, I was walking along and I was holding my hand like you would hold somebody's hand. I just I probably didn't feel up to teaching that day. And so I was holding his hand, walking over. You would have seen me walking on behind me, holding him. But then, but then I've done other kinds of things too. There was there was one time, I I mean I've gone on these fasts. I've, I encourage people to do that. And I'm, but I was going on and, and I knew I need, it was going on a three-day retreat at the state park. And so I remembered these passages that talked about sackcloth and ashes. <laughs> I don't know if I needed to repent or what, but anyway. But anyway, I sneaked some ashes out of the fireplace without Martha knowing it. And then I went by a cloth store and bought some burlap. <laughs> and, and I went to the state park, put the burlap next to my skin, kept it there for three days with ashes on my head, and thought... If, if that'll help, I'll do that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> or there was another time that I, that I went out, I mean, <laughs> I went out just uh, at, at night, late, yeah. nobody there, sure. laid down the, three dust on my head, because we've heard about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, didn't, I don't expect anybody else to do this kind of thing, <laughs> and I'm not advocating it. Sure. But I, what I am advocating is that we get radical, yeah. that we... I'm advocating, and I, <laughs> I think I told you the other day, I, or you may have heard me say, I really question that we can be fully who God wants us to be if we're not what I, what I call a little bit godly weird <laughs> or godly edgy. Yeah. I mean, every, everybody you read about in this book, yeah. they, were, they were edgy mm-hmm. in some way. Yeah. And I think if we do get too comfortable, we're not leaning into the fullness of who God wants us yeah. to be. That's and then, of course, the other kinds of things is just, I mean, the scripture has really been powerful to me. And I'll find some scripture that really speaks to me, and, and I'll download it to my personal hard drive, which yeah. means memorize it, but yeah. I don't like that word. Yeah. And, then, and then just go over and over and over it. I mean, right now I'm in Psalm 91. I call it the coronavirus psalm. Sure, yeah. You know, because he will... Save us from the fowler snare and from the deadly pestilence, and will not fear the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, or the plague that destroys at midday, so forth, you know. Yes. I mean, scripture is really powerful. So good. Yeah. Well, and I, I, what I take from that, even the, those, 
you know, quote unquote, funny things that you yeah. did. I, what I, I, I see and sense there is a, just a, a desperation and a hunger. You're demonstrating yeah. a hunger. And I feel like that's, God lo- loves that. Yeah. And, it, it yeah. Is, it, and that's what's powerful in helping make that connection yeah. with the Lord. So good. Well, what, what would you say to someone who might feel a measure of shame? Maybe they've been walking with the Lord for a while, but they felt distant. They don't feel close. They mm. don't feel like they've got a thriving relationship with the Lord. And they feel shame over not having that relationship with the Lord. I would be, uh, it, it is amazing to me how many times I go back. For me, I go back to Romans 3. For, for me personally, the third chapter of Romans has the gospel message so encapsulated there. And, and I need it. And I mean, you know, I have that little outline of Romans, but Romans 1, the world's in a mess, and Romans 2, so are you. In Romans 3, there's nobody righteous, and he just hammers that. Nobody righteous, nobody yeah. righteous. And so basically he says, and these are my words, that God had to find a different way to make us righteous. And so what he did as a family member, he paid our debt and then went to hell with it. Yeah. And then came back and can give us the life that was given in the Garden of Eden to restore us completely yes. to him. And so that's, that's where we are. And, but it's a gift. I love uh, Romans 5, 17 says, the gift of righteousness. Romans 4, 5, I love that because it says that he justifies the wicked. Mm-hmm. You can't get any worse than that. Right. Or, or Romans 4, 7, and 8, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not count against him. Mm-hmm. I... I looked at every translation I could find when I saw that verse because I thought that can't be true, but it is. And so when you've done something that you know, I mean, you're disgusted with yourself, the time to go back back and remember, and then you're just in awe. It makes you want to worship Mm. because you say, my God, you still count me righteous? You you give me righteousness when I'm not righteous? And so I, that's what I would, I would just encourage people to, to really go after the gospel message again for themselves. Yes, the power of the gospel, yeah. the gospel message really yeah. pulls us out of that place of shame. Well, what are some practical things that y- you do to fight that if there's ever a temptation to, to not engage God through yeah. prayer, not, not worship or you know, not read the word. I mean, there's uh, lots of distractions, but temptations to, to not engage those things. What are some things that you would encourage people to, to engage? Well, the, 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 the first thing I would say is really just to pause because when you're in that place, you know it's not a good place. And so pause and slow down and, and ask the Lord for help. Just let him know. I mean, again, it's one of those places of, if you feel that way, don't think he doesn't know it. Right. So go ahead and admit it to him. And in admitting it to him, it's already, you've already won half the battle. Because then you're ready to receive his help. And so recognize that we are needy and ask for help. And, and I, I thought of that. I love the Matthew 5, 6 passage that says that whoever hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Blessed is the person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. He'll be filled. Well, if you don't hunger and thirst, then ask God to help you hunger and thirst. And I, the classic example for me when I thought of that was a couple years ago at Belmont that 
were godly people, but they had no heart for world missions. But they, but they began to believe, wait, we should have a heart for world missions. And so they started asking the Lord to give them a heart for world missions. Well, I never knew that background because all I saw in them was they were radically for world missions. But I didn't know how they'd come about it. All they did was they started asking the Lord for it. So I think to pause and ask the Lord to give you a heart for him. Incredible. So practical and so true. And it yeah. feels like that's something that the Lord will, will meet us in and answer. Yeah. Um, so for someone that's maybe just starting in our relationship with God, they're brand new to the faith, what would your advice be for you know, good first steps for yeah. learning how to relate to and with God? Uh, the first thing is we need to realize that we're not loners. Uh, we need help. We need people around us. And we need, I mean, I tell people, I mean, if I'm talking to like a young man who's a new believer, and I'll say, you need at least two really godly men that you can relate to. You'll wear one out, so you need two at least. (laughs) But in other words, we need a core of people. We cannot do this by ourselves. We need people to confess to, to, to pray for us. I mean, we're dependent upon each other. And, and that can't happen in a large worship service. That's got to happen in a small kind of gathering. Yes. I, I think everybody needs to have a, I would, I would recommend at least weekly time of getting with other people like that. So that would be one thing. And then, and then the, the other thing is, I'll, I'll say it again, but I mean, I know, I mean, I really encourage, encourage people, they've got to have some kind of reading plan here where they read eventually, even if it takes 10 years, but read the whole Bible through so that you know what it says. But there are also certain passages of Scripture, like I mentioned the Psalm 91, that are really so powerful for us and edify us. And I would say, it, when you run across one like that, really grab it and chew on it and, and uh, don't let it go. I mean, and, and then you'll have a whole stack of things, a whole stack of Scriptures that that do that to you. And then, and then the other thing is, I mean, right now there's this song, The Blessing, The Lord yes. Bless. Oh, I mean, the first time, I mean, I sing it all the time because <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, we'll break out in song with somebody, just the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine before you and be gracious to you. It's, I mean, it's powerful. Yeah. But there have been many songs like that. I really encourage people to grab hold of worship songs and Sing them by themselves. Yeah. You know, just anyway, sing them in the car by yourself. I, I remember when I was a, when I was a kid I, on the farm, I drove a John Deere tractor for a little while, and I, I loved it because I could shout as loud as I wanted to and sing as loud as I wanted to. I wasn't, probably went into the worship, but anyway, that kind of thing that just, yeah, express yourself to the Lord. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Be a rock star worshiper in the shower, right? That's <laughs> right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> but yeah. go for it. I, and I love that. I think that's yeah. so helpful yeah. to really grab onto those things that are stirring in us in that moment. Well, as we kind of wrap up this, this conversation, this obviously is a unique season. And 
and you, you've gotten to see many different seasons in the kingdom and just in life. What would you say, or what, what do you think is the most important message the Lord's trying to convey to his people, his church in this unique season of worldwide sickness and quarantine? And what do you feel like the Lord's trying to say in this moment? Well, I, I go immediately to the passage in Romans 5, verse 3, where in the beginning where he says, therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we have this, and, and by faith we stand in this grace and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only so, we glory or rejoice in our suffering. And the word is tribulation there. We exult in tribulation because we know suffering or tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character. I'll stop right there because I believe God's, I believe God's character development plan includes suffering. I don't think, again, look at every biblical character that really amounted to anything, they had suffering. So I think when we get through any kind of thing that's like, the, it's not pleasant what yeah. we're walking through, but we count it as if we will lean into it, and Hebrews 12 says, endure hardship, any kind, as discipline, whatever it is, just consider it discipline. And no discipline at the time seems pleasant but painful. But for those who allow themselves to be trained by it, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. But if you don't allow yourself to be trained by it, then it produces a harvest of anger and bitterness and resentment. Wow. And so I just say to everybody in this time we're living, let's lean into the Lord and let him produce a harvest of righteousness and peace while we're walking it. Because we're headed toward and I think this is a dress, dress rehearsal. We're headed toward the most horrific time in history just before the Lord comes. And I think back to Israel. The worst time in their 400 years was just before they got released. Because when Moses came back, they had it harder than ever. And then they experienced the first two plagues. And so I think, and then Jesus says, Matthew 24, 21, that there is coming a distress, and that word again is tribulation, such as never has happened and never will happen again. That's where we're headed toward. And then he says in 24, 29, after the time of that distress or tribulation, the sign of the Lord is coming and, and he comes. So I just, I, I think we need to learn to, and this is a tough, this is a tough question, but we need to learn to lean into and learn what we're supposed to in times of distress. So good. I, I love the, the picture you've laid out there, that fault line where you can go toward righteousness and peace yeah. or bitterness and judgment and anger. And yeah. it's like uh, you feel even the world grappling with that and, and you've shared this specific, the word of the Lord to lean in to this and trust him to bring that yeah. in our lives. It's so yeah. powerful. So good. Yeah. Uh, we, I, I would love for you to pray over mm. us or over the river, but o really pray over yeah. the church that we would get that in this season and that yeah. we would, the intimacy with him would, would yeah. rise up and, yeah. and that uh, we'd see the move of the Lord over his church. Amen. Okay. Lord, we honor you, Lord. Your name, may your name be exalted. May the name of Jesus be high in our hearts and our lives because through him, you've given us everything. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You live inside of us. 
So Lord, I just pray for everybody who would listen to this, everybody who is around, that we will grow in our intimate, I pray I personally will grow more in my intimate relationship with you, that everything, you, you will help me in everything, in us in everything as we yield to you. May your strength be in us. May your may suffering be turned toward character development in us. And may we get stronger and stronger as we move along. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Papa Don, thank you so much for this incredible conversation. You. So good. Amen. Thank you. Good to be with you.